Welcome to episode 14 of AOCast, a monthly podcast about mental health, live streaming, and how it all intertwines. In this episode, we talk to our good friend Malore about what it's like to be an up-and-coming streamer in the LGBTQ plus community. If you want to continue the conversation, I stream every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over at twitch.tv slash agentorange, link in the description below. Now, on to the conversation. I guess we can jump into this. Um, we have, since you're kind of newer to this, Malore, as well, uh, one thing that Stacey and I love to do is we like to just have conversations. So we kind of have okay. overall topics. Um, we, there's, as you've seen, there's not really anything that's scripted. Um, we don't go through, okay, well, we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um we have some basic things. I want to get to know you. I want my community and everybody else to get to know you um, and, and kind of hear what struggles you've been through, where you were able to succeed and those sorts of things. So, okay. If there's ever anything that you are not comfortable talking about again, like you and I've talked about, let me know and, and say, yeah, you know what, Randy? No, just, just no. Okay. <laughs> no. okay so, do. so let's go ahead and do some, <laughs> let's go ahead and do some introductions. Uh, Malor, if you want to kick us off. Unless you want me okay. to. Okay. <laughs> um, that's fine. I, hello. Okay. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Malore. Um, I am a variety streamer on Twitch. Um, I am non-binary, and my pronouns are they, them. Um, and I mostly just I make a lot of cozy content. I like to do streams. Um, chari- <laughs> just streams. <laughs> I meant to say charity streams. Um, I like to do charity streams, and I just like to talk about deep stuff i also do tarot readings i also do tarot readings on twitch and like to help people um work through life situations through that medium a lot so yeah is that a good introduction yeah that's perfect (laughs) that's perfect uh stacy hello everyone my name is stacy i am a licensed counselor um i'm also in school to become a certified mindfulness meditation instructor uh i do a lot of things i have a lot of hobbies and i'm here for whatever you might need stacy does all the things <laughs> she's she's part of the key to this entire uh um outfit that we have going on here you were too kind yeah i try <laughs> gotta, gotta bring that ego up a little bit um <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know me uh my name is agent orange aka randy depending on what you feel like calling me i go by both um I am also a a variety streamer. I will basically play whatever is dropped in front of me. I'm trying to get more into figuring like a specific schedule of like we're gonna play this type of game on this day. But I, I have what I call the uh, uh, ADD of gaming, where I can't keep my focus on one thing for too long. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's I, I think <laughs> I, honestly, like when it comes to Guardians, I think that's one of the things that that got Joe to be like, yeah, okay, we're gonna. Bring him in because I told him that during my uh, conversation with him. I'm like, yeah, I have ADD and I have ADD of gaming, so I don't like. I'm hit from all sides. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I stream three nights a week, uh, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays here, and then we do this podcast, um, once a month. The last Monday of every month, we'll have different topics, maybe an interview here and there, things like that. We are very focused on chat engagement as well. 
Um, so if you guys have any questions or you guys have any comments, any topics that you'd like to discuss, um, maybe any questions for either Stacy, myself, or Malor, please feel free to throw them out there. Um, we'll try to answer them and try to kind of guide. Basically, we're looking for you guys to help guide the conversation to a certain extent. So, all right, perfect. Um, so, Malor. Yes. I want to know from you, can you kind of tell us your story? So not, it doesn't have to be like you're, you're like, well, when I was a kid, this was what I was now, like, um, tell us your story. Like, uh, how'd you get into streaming? What kind of brought you here? Um, what brought you into wanting to be a mental health advocate? Those sorts. Of things. Um, okay. Well, to start out with how I started streaming, um, when I got out of college, um, and I got my first big boy job, um, which is the job I still have today. Um, I saved up and I was like, I'm going to build a PC now, finally. Uh, so I built my first PC. Um, and then I had like just found organically, I had just found Twitch because I think my roommates were like watching for uh, drops for Valorant keys when Valorant first came out. And I was like, wait, what is Twitch? And so then I like looked at all of it and I found a few streamers that I just like really looked up to and they really made me feel welcomed in their communities and i was like it's really cool that they can like build their own communities like that um and so then i was like one day i was like you know what i think i i was like i don't have any friends to play games with i think i want to do that um so then i just started streaming and i've been streaming a little over a year now um and i think what kind of pushed me to being a mental health advocate um and like wanting to be more open about that stuff um, was kind of, it's kind of started when streaming started affecting my mental health more um, because it kind of forced me to have to be open about it because I had already, um, I already had been going through a lot of my own mental health stuff that I've been dealing with for like my whole life. Um, and you know, when you start streaming, nobody, there's not really someone there to tell you like, hey, by the way, this is going to cause you a lot of anxiety sometimes. And it's going to come with a lot of like negative emotions sometimes. So you have to like be ready for that. Um, and so when I started, when it started negatively affecting me, that's when I was like, okay, I need to start being more open about it. And then I started noticing the more open I was about it, the more I was able to like, relate to people and like help them also because I realized how similar a lot of people like a lot of people have very similar experiences to me so then I was like all right I'm gonna start being more open about things and I really just want to start fighting for and supporting the things that I really care about um yeah it's a it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing how different it is going from um kind of being very closed on how and who you are to being open about who you know whether it's mental health mm -hmm. or not you know it, it's 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 interesting i've always you know kind of i've looked into this whole topic and really pay attention to this whole topic you can tell the people who are very honest about who they are not only mm -hmm. to themselves but also to the screen and to the viewers yeah. and even if you're you know very closed on what kind of information you share about yourself things like that just being honest to yourself and to your viewers about who you are makes such an amazing difference on how quickly you and, and kind of open you are about uh or with growth and 
um, what kind of community you're building. Yeah, no, it makes a huge difference. And I kind of quickly realized that when I was streaming, because I also had like been I have literally just like grown into myself kind of on stream. Like if you look at some of my earliest clips, mm -hmm. I am a completely different person just in this past year because of the amazing people that I've met that have helped me learn more about like myself and about just things in general. Um, so it's been, it's, it's a learning experience for everybody. And I think a, a lot of streamers kind of go through that where they think like you have to put on a certain attitude or a certain image or something to be able to get stuff. And then eventually you realize that's not what I have to do. Actually, I have to just be myself. <laughs> you be myself, exactly. Because people will yeah. very quickly see through it. Exactly. And it won't last. No, no, not at all. I mean, there, there's a difference, of course, between being yourself and putting it, being a character. So, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, somebody like Dr. Disrespect, you know, if you know who he is, you know, I vaguely, think, I think most people at least have heard the name before, but he is a, a he, he plays a character. He plays a, you know, very high energy type of character. There's quite a few other people who play very high energy or maybe, um, you know, they're always screaming and they, they do certain things to kind of get a rise out of people. Mm. Um, but if you, I can guarantee if you pay, if you pay attention to who they are off stream, they probably still hold some of those same types of things. Even if they're playing yeah. a character, they're still being themselves. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, Stacey and I, you have talked, you and I have talked about, um, you know, D and D and how kind of big D and D can be. Which is going to be, it's going to mm -hmm. be a future topic. Because, I love D&D. Yeah, because I, 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 one thing that I, when, it, when it comes to D&D that I really want to talk about is the types of things that people do. So for instance, you know, okay, I'm going to roll up a character for this campaign. Okay, well, here's your real life personality. And how does that relate to your in-game personality and the character that you build? Sometimes it might be somebody that you, you know, a, a character that you just... I'm normally a very lighthearted, shy person, and I want to play somebody who's very outgoing and maybe very adventurous. That's not who I am, maybe, um, but that's that's who I would like to be. You yeah. know? And, and kind of really going into the mental health, the psychology part of that, and really starting to understand that, that sort of thing. And it's the same type of thing with streaming. You know, mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's still a piece of you. If you are playing a character, there's still a piece of you in there. Yeah, you know, but people are absolutely people are much more open to gravitating towards somebody who they can feel is actually going to be genuine. Yeah. No, and I think kind of chiming in on the psychology end of things, uh, when we're looking at, you know, characters that are, let's say, of an alternative presence of what somebody, you know, portrays himself to be in a friend group or in society. It is the silenced, in my in my opinion, it is the silenced voice within them that they're not comfortable or don't yep. feel is accepted for whatever that reason is. That's a whole different, you know, that's many sessions. Um, doesn't doesn't matter. It just, you know, that's who they want yeah. to be, right? Yeah. And that and I remember um Randy, we've talked about me playing D and D and and I've alluded to the kind of character I want to play, which is completely opposite of my personality it's this little edge in me that's there right it's a little bit more of like the um the sinister side oh yeah <laughs> i'll just say it 
I don't want to come out being somebody fun. I want to be like an assassin type yep. thing, right? <laughs> Not really, but you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to. You know, because. Um, and it it's not that necessarily that's the the identity I subscribe to or anything. It's just fun to to be, you know, a little bit of a when you're in a fantasy world yep. mm-hmm. to be a fantasy personality, right? Yep. And yeah. I think things can get out of control when we lose sight of reality and fantasy. That's where things can get kind of uh, scary, and and that even holds true, you know in in the gaming world and then when mm-hmm. we look at you know broaden that up and then kind of focus on tonight's topic lgbtq plus um you know how often do people get to really be their true selves and how much of it is a character yeah right i mean there's also um when you were talking about like being a D character it made me like remember like the first time I created a D&D character and it made me realize that a lot of the, a lot of friends that I have who are LG, like to onto the topic of the LGBTQ um, stuff, mm-hmm. I've, I've learned that a lot of people who are LGBT, um, when they go into like making a D&D character, a lot of the times they will give the D&D character like the traits that they are, may not necessarily be like comfortable or allowed to express yep. in their personal lives. Um, and can get very emotionally invested in these characters. I personally <laughs> am speaking from experience with that because I have D&D characters I'm still very much emotionally invested in because they were a part of like my own journey of exp- of figuring out who I was. Yeah. And I think that like video games and like D&D and just fantasy stuff in general um provides a lot of people who are LGBTQIA are so drawn to those things because it's what we were, where we were allowed to like fully express mm-hmm. who we really were, who we really wanted to be in a world where like nothing matters and nobody's going to be mean about it, you know? Yep. I like what, uh, Welkin, absolutely. I like what Welkin said in chat too. Uh, he said, for some people, the D and D character exhibits the inner voice people have in their head. Uh, mm-hmm. It allows them to give substance to that hidden part of themselves. So, and it's, it's D and D. It's any kind of like customizable character in a video game, like you mentioned D and D and video games. Yeah, being able to have that customizable piece of it really gives you the ability to create yourself in a digital or game type. Of- oh, no! Stop! 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 No! <laughs> stop! I'm so sorry. Oh, you're good. I was trying to turn it down, and it went up. Stop. Okay, I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> it's perfect i was i was trying to make it less bright so oh, no, you're good. You're... and i hit the wrong button <laughs> your lighting's good you're good um so <laughs> i made you lose track i'm so sorry no no you're fine you're fine um but no like but but honestly though when it comes to um when it comes to video games and just kind of even people who are not in the lgbtq community just you mm-hmm. know for people like myself you know, I will I will go into something like World of Warcraft or I'll go into something like Cyberpunk, which I haven't played yet. Um, and those those types of games that allow for character customization and I will create a character that I would like to be. You know, yeah. or somebody who might be my inner voice. You know, and it's not necessarily somebody I mean, there's times that like for instance, we played Star Citizen, you could do some customization to it. And mm-hmm. um and I would create a character. I try to create to look exactly like me. Um, <laughs> but but you know, there's some moments like that, 
there's yeah. you know, some of those like weird type of moments. Um, but then usually it's it's that inner voice. It's that, you know, okay, this is these are certain traits that I wish I had. Right. You know, or or things that I, you know, like you guys have said, maybe I can't express those. Maybe there's certain feelings that I have I can't express. So I might put that into the character. Whether it's physically or even just D is a good example with that is, you know, just the emotional side of it. How mm-hmm. I play that character. You know, they yeah. they might fit into some completely different category, but the type of character and the type of personality that character has and things like that really reflect who I might not be today, but maybe mm-hmm. who I wish I was. And sometimes mm-hmm. the the um like backstories that we give mm-hmm. these D and D characters also can sometimes resemble like parts of ourselves that we don't really realize it resembles oh, until sure. you really think about it and then you're like oh wait a minute <laughs> yep. yeah for sure absolutely and i know even like with the character that randy i've mentioned creating for me it's a, a the ability to um express a sense of control and yep. right from wrong right doing the right thing and that's because in the space that i'm in um i have to be incredibly flexible right because that is who I am. I am an incredibly flexible person, but working in mental health, there isn't right and wrong, right? You can't fix people who do wrong things to good people. You've got to work through it. And, and, you know, I'm elbow deep in in the healing process, right? Watching bleeding hearts uh, try to heal from the cruelty of others. So for me, the type of character I want to play, you know, giving out, dishing out what I know my own psychology and desire for this character Mm -hmm. is, is to be able to have that sense of control that I can't have in a space, you know, that I'm I'm in often. Um, yeah. And so I, I firmly agree that it is a way for us to express um, other parts of us, whatever those might be. And I think it's really important to always kind of look at what is that, you know, and how yeah. how can I make pieces of this my reality if possible, right? Right. Um, or at least acknowledging why does that exist so you can be in tune and in touch with yourself. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you, like Malora, like you mentioned earlier, you know, when it comes to streaming and being able to look back at those, those things of saying, you know, here's what I, here's who I was. Um, here's what I was starting to build. And here's where I am now. And seeing that growth, you yeah. know, when it, when it comes to video game characters or D and D or whatever, and being able to see that growth of not only the growth of the character, but also the growth within yourself. And being able to really understand how these things have have had a deeper impact on me than, mm-hmm. than what I could have ever imagined it would have. Right. You know, when it when it comes to my streaming, there's no way, you know, I've talked about it in my channel, you know, I've talked about it with Warrior multiple times. There's no way that I could excuse me, no way I could stop streaming. At least at this point in my life, regardless of what I have going on, not only has this become a part of who I am and kind of what I believe in and everything, um, but it, it it's very heavily tied to my own personal mental health. You know, not that it, it, it doesn't change my mental health, but it definitely helps me understand who I am. Yeah. It can also help you push through that mental health. For sure. Because it, like, doesn't make you feel as alone yeah. <laughs> honestly yeah. like i started streaming in the middle of covid okay. um and so like i have i've only experienced like streaming in the in 
in COVID. Um, and it has, it has honestly like kept my sanity. Yeah. <laughs> it's cause it's the only reason that sometimes I've like not sat at my computer alone with nothing to do. You know, I have people that I can be like, Hey, does someone want to play a game with me? Yeah. <laughs> and that alone is enough to make you sometimes push through it a little bit more. Yep. It makes life a little bit easier. Especially in this day and age, it's not, I mean, one thing that we tend to miss is kind of that physical piece of relationships. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, during a, a, the time of COVID, there's not a whole lot we could do. So being yeah. able to start streaming or being able to stream in general um, during this time makes such a big difference of being able to actually feel that connection, even if it's not physical, feeling that connection with other people and kind of building yeah. friends and knowing that, hey, you know what? I could log on today and I could start streaming and know that I'm going to have 10 to 15 friends or people who I consider to be friends or people that at least I can communicate with. Yeah. And and have that build that relationship with, build that community with people who I can trust and I can believe in and believe in me and can, you know, I can watch grow and they can watch me. Yeah. I think that's that's think one that's of those really important. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's one of the greatest things that I've seen when it comes to um most Twitch communities. You know, once you start to build that community, you start to build a community that surrounds who you are and, and sometimes even who you want to be. And they help you grow just like you help them. I mean, I, I know like one of the things that I see in my job all the time, because I don't I don't work like directly as a mental health professional in my job, but I process evidence for I work in disability law. So I have to do all the evidence for that stuff and send it all to doctors. Um, and when I'm doing like mental health stuff, uh, one of the big things that the doctors always ask and like always look for is if they have a support system, because if they don't have a support system at all, like then they're already at such a like higher risk mm -hmm. of well, a lot of bad stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really important just to even have like a little bit of a support of like, okay, even just a little bit of social interaction of like, everyone kind of knowing that we're mutually supporting each other and stuff like that is really, really important. Yep. Now, absolutely. The, the tricks mind, the mind can play on us. Sorry, Randy. Oh, okay, good. The tricks that the mind can play on us when we're alone with our own thoughts, right? We can begin catastrophically thinking, mm -hmm. right? We have a tendency. I think there was a study out that said 70% of what we remember is built in our mind to be negative. I can't quote where I heard that from, but it was a while ago. 70% of what we experience in life, our brain is built to remember and it's negative. Uh, I'll see if I can find that real quick so I can quote where it came from. But it's up to us, right, to, to seek out that support, to find comfort and asking for help to create that uh, social network, that bonding that we need, right? And it can be a scary space to be in, especially if you were vulnerable and you experience judgment by somebody, right? Going out, reaching out and saying, hey, anybody want to play? Right? Anyone want to hang yeah. out? Yep. It'd be a very scary space to be in. And I think something that's really important is for us to kind of maybe talk about what that's like. Um, yeah. To put yourself back out there, right? And and again, wrapping this back to our, our topic tonight, the LGBTQ plus, um, what's it like to be vulnerable and put yourself out there? Right? Whether you're part of the community not part of the community just a human being what's that like 
Yeah. So I'd love to hear from chat and, and from you, Malor. What's it like to have to experience vulnerability? And then, kind of, you know, if you've ever experienced judgment, how do you come back from that strong? Um, so in regards to like from understanding of an LGBTQIA streamer, it is extremely difficult for a lot of people who are LGBTQIA streamers to actually be vulnerable and be open about that stuff. There's, um, I'm very, very lucky that my entire house is filled with people who are gay. <laughs> so I get, I am allowed the freedom to be able to very confidently talk about who I am. Um, and be able to be very open about that. Um, and I also have the confidence in my own identity that when I do experience um, every every single person that has an LGBTQA, if you're an LGBTQA streamer, uh, will probably experience harassment at some point. Um, and I've been very fortunate that every time that it has happened in my chat, me and my mods are all very quick at just being like, get, get, get the fuck out of here. Like, you don't, you're not, you shouldn't be here. Um, but it can be very terrifying, especially for people who maybe aren't necessarily in an environment at home where they can comfortably say that they're LGBT, but they still want to attract those LGBTQIA viewers because they want more friends around them, a, more of a support system that is also LGBTQ. Um, but sometimes they also get like they get harassed, they face harassment, but then also maybe get asked to talk about things and not everybody can talk about it openly. Um, and I've seen um, other LGBTQIA streamers almost get like berated by by viewers saying like, almost like accusing them of not actually being gay and needing to like prove that they're gay or prove that they're trans or something. And like, that's not your place. Because every single person, one, every single person's experience with their sexuality and with their gender is completely different. Um, and none of it is your business ever. Um, like if I didn't feel comfortable telling people that I was non-binary, it's not my plate. Like you don't need to know that. If I don't want you to know that, it's none of your business. Um, right. So that there's a lot. It, it's a lot. <laughs> it can be a lot for a lot of people. Um, and I've unfortunately seen a lot of really good streamers and really good content creators cease making content altogether because of the experiences that they've they've had. And it breaks my heart. It does. Um, but it, it can be scary, but I'm hoping that the world will get less scary and that more and more people will start treating gay people <laughs> nicer, Absolutely. especially on the internet. Yeah. And there's some research out there, you know, 42% of people who are um, LGBT report living in an unwelcoming environment, 80% of the gay and lesbian youth report severe social isolation, and six in 10 LGBT students report feeling unsafe at school because of their sexual orientation. And I'll tell you, these figures are mind blowing because really, to to echo what you said, Malore, what does it matter? What what mm -hmm. What does it matter? Let somebody live their life. I mean, I don't have people knocking on my door going, so what do you do behind your bedroom door, right? And and if they did ask me that, I might have a firm conversation with them informing them that this is none of your business. Yep. And I yeah. think that same respect should be extended to everybody, no matter who or what, right? And and it, it is, it's, it's, it's gross, really, 
uh, in, in my, my personal opinion, um, when people behave in such a closed-minded way, uh, and like you're saying, you know, they want you to they want people to prove that you're this way, this way, right? Why? Mm -hmm. And how is that appropriate in any way, shape, or form? It's not, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, I don't it's understand a... it, and I think. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. I was I was just gonna say that like the there's also it's. It's a hard struggle, especially in the LGBTQIA community, because I feel like there is even struggles within the community itself of accepting each other and like problems with like there there was a whole thing like few years ago. I don't know if it's still a problem and if people still have a problem with it, but I know that there was a huge big deal where people who were like had like this big thing where it was like bi versus pan and it was like everybody was like, whoa, and people would throw like such negative things towards one another because of stuff like that and there's just a lot of weird i don't know how to explain it because i i'm honestly not what fully fully educated on a lot of the the issues within the lgbtq community that's like inter within each other um because i know there's a lot <laughs> but yeah biphobia is a huge huge biphobia and panphobia is a huge huge problem um, in the LGBTQIA community. And then there's also problems with like, uh, I don't know, there's still problems in the non-binary spectrum where like, like some people still don't respect other others. There's a whole mess. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of problems. Absolutely. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of disrespect going around within, within communities, from outside communities into the community. There's, there's unfortunately, there's a lot of people I think that still don't understand it. And in a lot of cases, don't want to understand it. And because they don't understand yeah. it, they're like, well, this is wrong. This is horrible. This goes against the grain. This goes against what I believe in. Even though times have changed, you know, <laughs> people are hopefully one of the reasons that we're here talking about not only mental health, but talking about this topic is hopefully getting people to kind of understand that it's okay to talk about this stuff. Like mm -hmm. not just people who might be, who might be dealing with it personally. But people on the outside who might be attacking people who deal with mental health issues or somebody in the LGBTQIA community, you know, and saying, hey, right. you should probably start thinking about other people and not just yourself. You know, because yep. any, regardless of who you're talking to, they're people. And they, they might have a different opinion than you, but I would hope that you would want somebody to have a different opinion. Would hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I want to address something brought up in chat. Um, Dr. House mentioned, you know, being raised in a, a pretty strict Christian home and, um, you know, that you don't, you know, saying I'm not mean about it. I just don't think I understand. And, and so you leave it alone for the most part, right? You've tried having talks about it, but always just get called names or are judged. And I'll tell you the first time I, I was ever called a breeder by somebody in the, the LGBT uh, Q plus community, my feelings were very hurt when I learned what that was and that they called me that. I mean, that I name calling goes both that. ways. <laughs> yeah, it's what they call straight people. I and know. and that, yes, um, I worked at a community center, uh, one of the largest in the state we reside in. And and it was, they weren't being mean per se, but the, the comment is mean, right? Mm -hmm. the, you don't want to be called names. I don't want to be called names either. Um, and 
and and so that name calling can go both ways and the bullying can go both ways too um and i think that's a, a pretty difficult thing for those of us who are allies or maybe like dr house is saying you know i just don't understand it so i leave it alone and and you know you don't always people i think not all but some in in the community the lgbtq plus community are so used to being judged that perhaps you know their claws are out if yeah. you will when they meet somebody who's curious or genuinely just asking questions um because they're used to being attacked but then when you get somebody who is genuinely just curious maybe because they were sheltered right in a strict christian home I was raised Catholic, um, although not strict. I mean, the foundation of of the rules were there, um, and and whatnot. And my dad was rather particular about certain things, very specific things, um, what he mm -hmm. chose to be. Uh, but uh, you know, I know I have family members who don't agree with things, and even you know, I'll speak very briefly on on something personal. Uh, I uninvited a family member to our wedding because we were going to have friends there that are part of the LGBT community. And I knew this family member would have a problem with it because they make comments. So you know what? I uninvited them. I didn't mm -hmm. care. And this was the matriarch of my family on my mother's side. I didn't care. Um, you know, if you can't be kind, you're not going to be there. I'm able to do that because that's the kind of personality I also have. What's right is right. What I believe is wrong is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and And they weren't kind. And that's that. And then actually this the same couple who attended our wedding actually came up to me. It made me very sad. They said, can we dance together? And I looked at them. I go, and forgive me for this. I'm just going to quote exactly what I said. They go, fuck yeah, you can. Don't, don't worry about anybody here. If somebody here has a problem with it, send them to me. Yep. The bride will take care of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and we didn't have any problems with it because thankfully we have, you know, a pretty open and loving family with the exception of that that one individual, and, and I won't speak ill of them, uh, they're deceased now, so never speak ill of the dead. Mm. <laughs> that's a rule. Um, that's a rule. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, not everyone can be as bold as I, I was able to be either in my situation, right? Mm -hmm. And it did create a major uh, drama in my family. <laughs> I also didn't care. I stood up for what I believed was right, and um, I wasn't going to have some, my friends be judged. Yeah, right. I think, so, um, I'm sorry, I was going to comment on, I think some good. of the, um, like initial feelings of hostility that I think that like some people who are straight allies might feel from people who are part of the LGBTQ community, um, is cause a lot of the times they get asked a billion questions by all of the straight people in their life. Um, and I know even for myself, sometimes it can get exhausting re-answering the same questions about my sexuality or my gender expression over and over again. Um, so like, even though like to you, it could have been like, oh, I was just asking a simple thing that could have been like the fifth time they were asked something that simple when it yeah. could be something you figure out from a Google search yeah. in, in a lot of yeah. people in a lot of their eyes. So it can get very exhausting for people in the LGBTQIA community to have to almost like re-explain themselves or like re it, it feels like to, to explain how it feels sometimes is like, it feels like you're coming out all over again. Like every time that you have to explain it, it's like, okay, well now I'm coming out of the closet all over again. And for some people coming out was a very, very, very traumatic experience. 
So then every time they're asked those questions and every time they're asked to like recount whatever or anything, it, it triggers those things for them. It triggers those negative feelings, which can sometimes, you know, irrational feelings and PTSD triggers can cause an irrational response sometimes. Um, so I think that's where a lot of it, like a lot of that comes from. Um, so I definitely like suggest anyone who has been like pushed pushed away from learning about it, please do still do do research um, if you can, because the more people that are educated about it, the better. Like it doesn't hurt anyone to educate yourself about stuff, at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So kind of absolutely. I... And if you go ahead, say something. Oh, hang on, Randy. If yep. you, um, I was going to say, if you don't know where to look to to become educated, um, one suggestion I would have is, you know, just doing a, a general Google search um, ab about information, uh, depending on the, the state you live in, too. I know our state in particular has uh, an LGBTQ plus community center. You could Google that for the state you live in um, and then look up resources there. And again, provided you're an ally and you're not there to do harm, um, they're they'll welcome you with open arms you know or if you are part of that community and you're looking to have a voice uh and find a safe space to land uh, i did an internship a, a year-long internship at ours uh, again in the state i live in and it was such a beautiful experience we had you know free counseling um and in particular the center would allow um, individuals to come and take a shower if necessary and you know we had a, a meditation area is what we called it but if somebody needed to take a nap you had to do it sitting up that was the trick you couldn't lay down uh, but you could go and meditate right take a nap if you were homeless or you know had just gotten thrown out or something mm -hmm. so and and if it's something that you know let's let's flip this coin and and you know here we're pushing accept it accept it accept it what if somebody just can't accept it what kind of advice or words of wisdom would you give to someone who just says yeah i can't subscribe to it um like what would i tell somebody if they were like i just can't like accept like gayness in general yeah Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Eh. <laughs> right because here's the thing just as much as we want people to be accepting of it people have the right not to be just as people who are part of the lgbtq plus community mm -hmm. have the right not to like straight people for whatever reason or call them you know names yeah um and and so let's flip that coin because it's important to always look at all sides and not push people right what would you say to them um, um well i i personally have family members who don't support um lgbtqia things in general um they are not in my life anymore though um <laughs> so yeah the way that I normally handle those things now in my life is I don't have time for it. I, I don't. Um, so if I need to distance myself from it as much as possible, I will. Um, if you're somebody who I think like is just a little bit ignorant and like, I can just slightly educate you a little bit by teaching you, Hey, gay people are people too. Hey, trans people deserve to be respected and <laughs> given proper medical care. <laughs> Because they're human beings. Like if I if you're, if I think you're somebody that I can talk to, um, then I'm always open to having civil conversations with people I disagree with. I was a political science major. You know, I I love to debate things, so I will chit chat with people I disagree with all day. Um, 
but I also will not talk to a brick wall. Mm -hmm. I will not waste my energy on a brick wall. So for anybody who is trying to like make somebody in their life, maybe switch like their views because they're a little bit stuck in some really shitty mindsets. And if they're a brick wall, then it's not worth it. If they, if you know, they're not movable and nothing you say, like if you could literally give them all of the information in the world, all of the science journals that exist, everything, and they still will tell you it's wrong. It's not worth your energy. It's not at the end of the day. Right. There was a, uh, a, some, a study done in the, the, uh, national public opinion study. It's the, the state of the LGBT community in 2020. And it said that 15% of individuals, um, in the LGBTQ community avoid seeking medical treatment because they fear being discriminated against 15% is a lot. When you mm. think about it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but in the grand scheme, avoiding it just because they're afraid that they're going to be judged. Yeah. And the people that affects the most Bad. is that that affects most obviously like trans individuals, but it also really heavily affects um, the gay men mm-hmm. more heavily than like gay men and trans people. And they are the individuals who are most heavily affected by that because um, they're the ones who have experienced the most medical like it's because it's more medically obvious because they always ask questions right. that make it medically obvious. For those people right you know and it's it it's awful <laughs> yep. i've heard Absolutely. a lot of horror stories about that stuff and it's not i remember when when i was at the community center um the transgender community really didn't have a space that they fit in yet you know the the population of of lesbians you know they didn't feel they felt you know they fit in there again gay men that population they didn't feel you know they fit in there and and again i did this what back in 2013 yeah 2013 yeah and um a lot's changed since then right mm-hmm. uh, i was there when for a brief moment uh and and the state we're in uh for a very brief moment marriages were legal <laughs> brief moment then they revoked it and then it was legal again obviously later mm-hmm. um but i think it's interesting how even within the the community itself there's judgment have you experienced that or witnessed any of that? Um, I have not experienced much of it. Um, I came out fairly late in my life. I didn't, I came out as pansexual when I was 21. Um, and then I came out as non-binary at 22 and I'm 23 now. <laughs> um, so I really, and most of that time it has been in COVID. So most of my experience being in, human being um has been experienced online um and online it's very easy to just kind of block (laughs) anything um but i have seen personally a lot the biggest thing that i've seen in like discrimination within the community itself is biphobia that is that biphobia and panphobia is the biggest the biggest thing um that and transphobia is still also very big um, in the LGBTQIA community. Um, I think in a lot of ways, trans, indiv- not in a lot of ways, yeah, no, not think, and no. <laughs> in a lot of ways, trans individuals are the most fragile of the LGBTQIA community, um, especially like right now. Um, and it doesn't help that there is so much transphobia within the LGBTQIA community of people who 
even in the LGBTQIA community say things like I could never date a trans person and that breaks my heart. It hurts me so much <laughs> that people say that even as like a part of the community. Um, I just, I get very passionate about that. So that's, I personally have not experienced much of it, but I have a lot of friends who are trans. I have a lot of friends who are bi or non-binary. Um, most of the people in my life are gay somehow. <laughs> so I've heard a lot of experiences from them as mostly since I have been home most of the time that I've been out and gay. <laughs> um, yeah, those are the biggest things that I've, that I see though. Yeah. So, and that's tough, tough. Especially being a streamer though, like you mentioned earlier, being able to, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier, I think, to kind of get comfortable. She said you, you know, just came out just recently, basically, you know, the last couple of years. Um, being a streamer and, and once you see that negativity come out, into a chat or into a conversation or whatever, being able to just kick the person and say, you know mm -hmm. what? No, that's, that's not what I'm going to be comfortable with. That's not what we're building here. <laughs> you can go away. And, and, you know, obviously I might be wrong um, in this, but I think it, it, I feel like it would be a lot easier to kind of get comfortable with the world, knowing who you are um, by being able to not have to necessarily directly deal with that negativity to that extent um mm. on an online world um, now obviously in a in the real life world you can't just kick the person out it's a lot harder to do that you can you yeah. can say you know what you're put you might be part of my family but i'm going to remove you from my life i've done that yeah. to people in the past you know for a variety of reasons you know but it's it's not like you can just click the ban button and and they go away yeah um, I think it, I think people tend to, though, get a little bit braver <laughs> when oh, they're sure. online. For you sure. are, you are, I am more likely to have someone call me the F slur in my chat than I am for someone to call me that in person, most likely. Um, yeah. But that also depends on where you live. That depends on a lot of different factors. So, yeah. Um, also, uh, DC Champ, you asking about pansexual. So pansexuality is similar to bisexuality, which is like you like all genders. Um, but the difference that you experience between bisexuality and pansexuality is based on the the way that you are attracted to those people. So someone who is bisexual is attracted to people of all genders, but the level of attraction they feel for a man or a woman or a non-binary person would be different. Um, whereas a pansexual person just kind of is attracted to everybody, no matter what, because all that it's all the same at the end of the day. Um, a human is a human is a human is a human yeah. to a pansexual. <laughs> um, I hope that explained it well. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a great explanation. And I want to I want to go back to something you you touched on earlier too, talking about like. A, let's say, for instance, a straight person asking questions. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think so kind of what I kind of got out of that is it's OK to ask questions, but ask. Educated questions, you know, the, the kind of very basic questions are not that's something that you're going to deal with on a regular basis. And it's, you know, like you said, it's coming out over and over and over again and having to, in a way, relive that over and over again. 
now asking something that is, you know, an educated question and shows that, hey, maybe I've done a little bit of research. Maybe I've even looked at a website to find out what I'm even talking about to a basic extent. You know, mm-hmm. coming to somebody and saying, you know, hey, what's what's non-binary? Okay, that's fine. You know, but like you said, you could very easily go and, and do, you know, Google, type in non-binary, and you'll have your answer right there. You know, yeah. asking more and more. And obviously this this type of form is a little bit different. You know, being able to work with chat and, and answer questions with chat is a little bit different. But coming directly up to somebody and just asking a very basic question when they very easily could hop on their phone and, and look for it is a little yeah. different. Yeah, I also yes. know that um, asking, like if you ask a person's pronouns ever, like don't go up to somebody and be like, hey, what's your gender? Like don't ask their gender, but yeah. asking a person's pronouns yep. is always accepted. That. Like if someone comes up to me and asks my pronouns, that like pardon my language, but that shit gets me hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so like it's so thrilling and it's so um what is the word? It, like justifying, yeah, almost. Like to have somebody come up and say, Hey, what is your pronouns? Like I want to make sure I respect your pronouns. Um, so that's always a question that any LGBTQIA person would be glad to answer always. And 10 years ago, that was very different. 10 mm-hmm. years ago, what are pronouns? Like, I, I know what pronouns are in the English language, but when it came to, you know, gender and things like that, that wasn't kind of a, a, a global thing. And now I see a lot of people who have kind of accept, adopted that as part of kind of how society is. Mm-hmm. Very, very different, which also is good to see that that sort of thing is becoming much more accepted, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of the, in a way that's the starting point of, um, or at least part of the starting point of the LGBTQ plus community being accepted in the kind of grand scheme and hopefully being able to kind of knock down some of those walls that we've, we've seen throughout the years, you know, of, Oh, well you're gay. All right. Well, I don't want anything to do with you. You're still going to have people like that. It's like, racism and and all that you're still going to have people like that but being able to talk about it and being able to kind of take those little steps into a bigger picture i think is has been right. has been really good to see um kind of where our society has gone lately right and the lgbtqia community like any other group of minorities that's you know still trying to fight to be treated equally um they need support and they need people on the front lines that are like helping support them also that are allies and that aren't a part of the community. Like they can't do it alone, just like any other like BLM, all of it. Like they can't do that stuff alone. No, for sure. Um, okay. So I want to, I want to kind of go back to the mental health piece okay. um, and kind of mental health as a streamer. Uh, and, and a streamer, obviously, that fits into the LGBTQIA community. Um, what, from your experience over the last year, how has streaming, whether it be building community, uh, kind of the consistent schedule that you end up feeling from, um, from streaming, maybe any kind of imposter syndrome or anything that you may be feeling, how has that impacted your mental health over the last year? And kind of how have you, have you found any ways to, to help overcome that? Um, I'm trying to overcome some of it. <laughs> um, 
but I think I have experienced a whole slew of a multitude of different um, mental health things, both personally and also from streaming. Um, and some things have been new from streaming and streaming has heightened some other things. Um, so I already have, I have very, very, I have very bad anxiety, um, but I am a very social person. So I'm like, naturally, I love talking to people. I love making new friends, but I'm also extremely socially anxious. Um, so I've noticed a lot of like, I have to be in a good headspace to stream because if I'm even a little bit anxious, like it'll translate. Um, and then that just makes me feel even worse. And then I start, then it starts turning into a spiral of, okay, well, can they tell that I'm anxious? Um, is it like bad? And then I start saying, thinking like, oh, am I entertaining still? Um, and then, then it turns into the imposter syndrome of not thinking, you know, like it's still stemming from that same anxiety. Yep. Um, but it turns into that, like, oh, like, am I good enough? Blah, blah, blah. Or like, I think um, a lot of streamers get like, and I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes you get, you get caught up in numbers sometimes. Um, so like, I always have the number of people that are in my streams. I have it off. Mm -hmm. I have it so that I cannot see it. Because when I was an early streamer, when I started streaming, I used to have that on. And I would notice if it was low, that like, it would discourage me. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you're starting out, it's, it's low for a really long time. So I started turning that off. And that was one of the ways that I kind of helped my mental health, because now I don't pay attention to the number until I get a little email after stream. And then I get to be like, Oh, how did it go? But a lot of the times I don't check it because the more I noticed for myself, um, that the more that I cared about the numbers and like the more invested I got in something as stupid as that, uh, the more anxious I got and the, the less I was just having fun. So then I tried to stop caring about that. And I've been pretty good at, at not caring about that. Um, but I do still get the social anxiety, um, aspect of things pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> And a different form of imposter syndrome now of like, you know, am I worthy? All of that. We all yeah. experience it the, the same. The numbers, the numbers, that's rule number one of being a streamer. Turn off mm -hmm. those numbers. Do not even yeah. look at it. At the very end of a stream, I will go into the, um, the channel analytics and I'll take a look to see where it sits for that stream. Um, but that's yeah. at the very end. I don't even mm -hmm. bother looking at it because yeah, I've noticed it myself and you can ask any streamer out there. That they'll, if you know, if they're looking at the numbers, they will. And the worst possible thing you can do is tell a streamer, "Oh, cool, you have sixty people in here." Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't ever do that, because yeah. the the one thing that I learned at the very beginning is treat every single stream as if you have a hundred people, or two hundred, or three hundred, or whatever you're comfortable with. That you always have people in there. Because it doesn't matter if you show one viewer, you might actually have six people watching you, mm -hmm. but they might be in multiple streams and paying attention yeah. to you. And so, you know, the way that Twitch does its numbers, it's always off and it's always kind of weird and, and whatever. And it makes a yeah. big difference. As soon as you see that number drop, you will, you know, nine times out of 10, you'll be like, you know, there goes my heart because I just saw somebody leave, even though. Yeah. That's, you know, it's when it comes to the numbers, the numbers are always wrong. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, um, I've seen it like destroy streamers' moods on stream before. Yeah. Oh, it's it's done it to me. Like like yeah. lately, you know, you know, seeing some of my numbers, you know, go you know fluctuate here and there, you know, because I, because of the mental the, the the mental mood that I've been in recently. Yeah. You know, I've there's been quite a few over the last I say three months or so that I've actually taken more days off in the last three months than I have the whole you know almost two years that I've been streaming. Yeah, because... I just had to take a month hiatus. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I literally like just came back from it uh, not long ago. Um, so I know it's, I understand exactly what you're That was, that was right around the time that you, uh, joined Guardians, wasn't it? Cause you, yeah. Yeah. Cause you, I think you had just come back and you were, I remember jumping into one of your, your streams and you were talking about coming mm -hmm. back. Yeah. <laughs> and I joined so Guardians like right as I was coming back. Yeah. It was kind of my motivation actually joining Guardians was kind of my motivation to be like, okay, this is something I should keep pushing through. Yeah. And I kept fighting. So Joe, if you're in there. You're, you're part of the reason I kept fighting. So thank Good. you. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I think it's a, it, it makes such a big difference though. Um, like I said, I mean, there's the, the, the mood that I've been in and the mental health that I've been dealing with over the last couple months um, has definitely impacted my own personal, you know, willingness to stream. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, you know, I personally don't have the extra pressures of, of, you know, what it's like to be in, you know, being an LGBTQ streamer and dealing with the extra pressures when it comes to the community and things like that. You know, I mean, in the end, a streamer is a streamer. Yeah. Like that, that's the way I see it. Unfortunately, there isn't, not everybody sees it that way. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that's kind of a, a ally behind the scenes <laughs> type of thing. We need those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, when... so I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Please. Oh, no, go ahead, Randy. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I was going to say when it comes to, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about imposter syndrome and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, I know that, you know, sometimes, you know, again, people in the within the LGBT community will avoid certain topics or, you know, related to LGBT issues or social situations uh, or you know, uh, just, I guess, avoid, um, use vague language when, when talking about relationships or hiding relationships, right? Mm -hmm. um, affiliations with certain organizations. How does that impact you with, with streaming Are you, or, or what you witness others maybe um, impacted by when it comes to, to streaming and just being open about your affiliation with, with different organizations? Uh, do you find that you're limited? Do you find that you that you're you know part of those larger percents where you hide or use vague language, or are you pretty comfortable in it? Um, I don't really know much about the language usage. To be completely honest, I don't fully analyze um <laughs> what I say sometimes. Um, but I know with like organizations that like I support or I advertise for or that I partner with or even that I'll do charities for, I do so much research on so many things. Um, and a lot of the time, yeah, your your options are a lot more limited, especially like if you're wanting to support like I 
specifically try and focus my support towards like LGBTQIA, uh, like people of color, um, which is an even <laughs> smaller, um, you know, option that, you know, we normally have to support. There's not, especially in the gaming industry, there's already lack of like, there's already lack of representation for women, let alone LGBTQIA plus individuals, uh, let alone women and LGBTQIA people of color. So the options do normally end up being very limited. And a lot of the times, even stuff that is marketed LGBTQIA um, in mainstream media was not like created by LGBTQIA people. It's still just straight people who are like, we need to market to more gays, but they didn't actually take in any voices for people who are actually like gay creators or artists or whatever it was that they were marketing for. Um, so the options are definitely always a lot more limited if you're trying to actually cater towards like really positive organizations and all of that stuff. It does, it does tend to narrow down as you start doing more and more research. <laughs> right. Curious here, miracle question. Uh, as, as we like to call it in the world of therapy. Um, five years from now, everything's your, you know, your utopia. What does it look like for things to be equal throughout all of society? What changes? There have to be a lot of changes. Uh, if you're asking me that question, do you want like my honest, like full political question? Because like answer? Um, like whatever you have to offer. Okay. Um, I think that a lot of the roots to a lot of the injustice in especially America is rooted into our entire like capitalist society. So I think that would need to be um, changed. I don't have the answers to how to change that because I'm not a, um, what are those people called? Politician. Uh, yeah, I'm not a politician. So I don't have the answers for all of that stuff. Um, but that I think because the way that like a cap the way that capitalism works in like a very dumbed down i'm sure you guys know um but for anybody who doesn't like a very dumbed down version of capitalism is like in order for me to make money if i make a business right i start my business but i need help because i can't really do it all by myself um so i hire somebody to help me but in order for me to make a profit on that i have to pay them less than me even if it's just us two doing 50-50 work if i want to make a profit i have to pay them less than me um so i'm going to pay them less than me even though we're doing 50-50 work so that i the owner can have more money and then as they keep hiring more and more people beneath them they start making their wages less and less and less and then the people at the top get to keep doing less and less and less and then having more money. So there's like a way to make money in a capitalist society without somehow stepping on other people's backs. And that lead, that is like the root of a lot of <laughs> so many, so many problems and injustices with like uh, race issues that are also situated in like, that are also like classist issues. LGBTQIA issues are also rooted and in, tied into classist issues. So it's all like, to me, it's all like, they're all different issues, but they're on like the same level. And the big thing that stemmed from all of it is like white supremacy and capitalism. That's at the root of everything. <laughs> 
that has stemmed into that has stemmed into racism that has stemmed into uh, like LGBTQIA issues that has stemmed into classist issues. It's all the same thing, but people are just different. People have been brainwashed into different areas. I'm sorry that got really deep. I don't talk about my <laughs> political beliefs a lot on here. So if I rambled too much, I'm no, you're sorry. Um, you're perfectly sure. fine. Yep. But perfectly yeah, fine. And I like to ask, you know, deep questions, obviously, because um, yeah. it, it, it provokes thought it, you know, and again, I mean, it, my, my, you know, experience working, you know, at the community center um, and, and then, you know, experiencing, you know, marriage is finally legal on a state and federal level. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it is more and more accepted in general. Right what else needs to happen, right? What else needs to happen? And I think, you know, just like a lot of other topics we deal with, uh, I mean, I'll, I'm gonna kind of back it out and go real general, people who hunt mm -hmm. and people who don't eat meat and, and support, you know, different organizations who are against meat and hunters. Um, even that, there's always gonna be some level of consternation, mm -hmm. right? There's always going to be, because that's just how society behaves when we're looking at things from a sociological standpoint, right? Um, and, and I just wonder, what will it take? You know, what more do we need to achieve in order for there to be a, a sense of safeness, safety, right? Uh, for people that are, you know, in the community just to live their life, right? Just to live their life. Part of that like stems from the lack of like a social safety net that these individuals like don't have, you know, like all of our federal funding goes towards, you know, police and military and a lot of that, like that's where most of most of our funding goes. Um, and there's not really that much federal funding that goes into like mental health resources that goes into um, like actual resources and like places to help not only like LGBTQIA plus individuals, but low income individuals um, and like all of that, because that's like a lot of it stems in like the lack of resources, the lack of education, the lack of everything. That's where a lot of these issues stem from. Um, so the priorities just need to be shifted a little bit in the, the grand scheme of things in the, in the higher up area. <laughs> priorities yeah. need to be shifted away from away from money and power and to actually helping citizens and the people who need help. Right. What a concept. Helping the people, <laughs> helping the people right. where it's needed. Yeah. Right. What a concept. Yeah. There, there's, um, I was reading something and um, on AmericanProgress.org, they say 25.7% of uh, reported LGBT um, avoid public places such as stores, restaurants, versus 9.9% of the cisgender LGB respondents. 25.7 avoid shopping in certain places and spaces. And it's interesting, um, my partner, he uh, at, at work, he was joking with somebody at work about, um, you know, we went to a, a store that mm -hmm. in our area that's well known for not being supportive to the LGBTQ plus community. And we don't even think twice about it because that's not, you know, why we shop there or don't shop there. Right. And, yeah. and that's just, you know, our mindset. But it was interesting because he pointed this out to the coworker. The coworker said, yeah, I, I won't shop there because of 
their lack of support. And my partner brought that home to me. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. You know, how, how, you know, some, it means so much to them that, you know, certain people that it, they won't even shop somewhere, or don't feel comfortable going somewhere because they're judged. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's just sad. There's it's just sad. There's actually two places and I'll, we'll talk about names later, but there's two places I refuse to ever go to because of that, because of their mm -hmm. lack of support, which are known for a lack of support. But I mean, there's a shoe company that I won't, um, won't go to because of things that have happened in the past. So not with the LGBTQ. Okay. Oh. With, with a, with a different what? topic, but, but I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm just like that, where if they're, you know, if the higher ups in these companies, you know, let's say treat women wrong, you know, treat them horribly, like, uh, well, I don't want to say the name, but we've, it's been in the news in the past where they treat women horribly. Um, I, uh, I mean, I would never shop there anyways, but I would never encourage anybody to shop there. And if I ever mm -hmm. needed to, if I had the opportunity to do that, I would never encourage anybody to go there. I would never go there myself. So I'm one of those people. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that I know people, um, a, a big one that gets contested a lot between people, even within the LGBTQI community, um, a big place is a, a, a Chick-fil-A. Am I allowed to name drop that? Um, a lot of people, I know a lot of people That's <laughs> who like debate, yeah. yeah, who debate eating there, you know, and like they do not support LGBTQIA individuals. And I, I don't like to eat there because of that. I'm also vegetarian, so really I could only eat mac, like mac and cheese and french fries anyways. Oh. Um, but I also know like some people, like one of my good friends who's in, in the LGBTQI community, whose mindset is like, I know me stopping going there isn't going to do anything which I, I don't think that's a good mindset necessarily, but I also understand that that point of view. I understand her point of view because the way she explained it to me um, is that like if you were to actually cut out, like not buy anything from anywhere that was tied to any unethical thing ever, like you would not be able to buy anything ever. So like it's a very weird kind of backwards way of looking at things, but I know a lot of people who think that way and... Like, I kind of understand and respect that point of view a little bit just because, like, I can see that. I understand it doesn't necessarily mean I agree with it, though. Yeah. <laughs> but I do at least, like, I can see that. I can see why some people have that point of view when it comes to things like that. There, there has to be, for me personally, there has to be a limit of, okay, well, you know, they, they may have come out against something and that I didn't agree with. All right, fine, whatever. That's one person. Um, but when it comes down to the treatment of their employees or the treatment of things that they do on a regular basis, that's where I start to put the line in and say, no. Um, yeah. And that, that's where these two places fit in, that they've, they've crossed that line multiple times that I say there's not a chance I'm ever going there. I actually knew yeah. somebody who really, really loved, and since it's already been mentioned in chat, um, Chick-fil-A. And that's, that's one of those places where they, yeah. they've come out against the LGBTQIA community. And um, so she would actually, she loved their food, but she was also against what they believed in. So every time that she would go there and she would eat their food, she would donate to an LGBTQIA organization twice the amount of what she paid at 
uh, at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so that? basically, so one meal of Chick-fil-A now costs you three times what it normally would. Yeah, because of, it's going to deter you from day. going there anymore. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think I could ever... I couldn't focus on, oh, well, you know, again, there was one tweet from a guy who worked there and I'm never going to, you know, buy from them again. Because like you mm -hmm. said, I mean, that's that's going to get you into that. I'm never going to be able to go anywhere because everyone's going to have something that I didn't might disagree with. Yeah. You know, somewhere I, in my life, it's, I'm going to disagree. Yeah. There, there's always this they're saying that one of my my undergrad like law professors told me and I it kind of stuck with me because um, we were we would get into conversations about this stuff all the time um and one of the things he said to me he said there's no ethical consumption under capitalism and i was yep. like you know what you're right yep. there's not i do like what you said champ that the power of capitalism is in the consumer it is but the consumer the consumer base now is so large that in order to get everybody to agree mm -hmm. on something to be able to make a change as a consumer base is very very unlikely yep. i would i would love to say that one person can make a difference but in reality where where you where where a company loses one person they gain somebody mm -hmm. and it's, it's it takes a very large movement for i mean even you know like bp when they had all their their oil issues yeah you had a bunch of people boycotting them, but it, in reality, the amount of money that they made in general worldwide was never impacted. Yep, they still right. they, they had record years right after that because there was there was no way that the amount of consumers that were saying, no, I'm not going to do this, were compensating for the fact of the consumers that were now going to them for whether it's for that reason or just the fact that they've already had big profits. Yeah. So. A lot of big corporations also have their hands in multiple jars, you know. They do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So they're normally covered on multiple bases for one. Um and then I forgot what my for two was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so back to back to, unless you guys have other conversations that you want to jump into on that part. No, actually, I was just looking for Wilkins said something. I yeah. thought I had like a, a quote on something like that. Like I thought I did like something to support uh, that, uh, but I, I don't. don't forward. One person uh, does not make it. Okay, see, I I have a love hate relationship with the idea that one person cannot make a difference with with that saying. I have a, I personally have a love hate relationship with that because I, as one human being, I can make a difference. Um, but I don't think like I cannot change the system, you know? Um, and I think that's where, especially in like, I know we're talking about LGBTQI stuff, but I'm also very passionate about environmental policies. And one of the things where like big corporations really push for individuals to be as sustainable as possible. And they're like, Hey, get rid of all your plastic straws. And that's going to save the environment. When in reality, your plastic straws don't do anything in relation to harming the environment. It's everything that those big corporations are doing and not telling you that's like harming it. So like there, there is like to an extent, yes, individual people can make a little bit of a difference and you can normally make a difference at least on the people that you interact with. But like me, like I, I do, I don't use, I try not to use plastic straws. I'm also a vegetarian. Um, I use reusable bags. I 
I have bought into that stuff. Yeah. So I'm not shaming it at all um, because I bought into that stuff. I do that stuff. I still try and live as sustainably as possible, but I don't think that individuals should ever be shamed because they can't afford to do things like that because they can't afford to cut out those like com- those companies. Like if somebody lives in a small town and the only restaurant they have is Chick-fil-A, they're not going to be able to cut out Chick-fil-A probably because they can't do that. Um so I think like the the where the one person can make a difference thing that saying gets kind of demonized sometimes because then it makes people feel pressured into thinking, "Oh my god, it's my responsibility. I have to save the planet. I have to make a difference." But no, you're just an individual human being. It's not your responsibility to fix everything that the people before us screwed up. Yeah. I I will I will say um Dr. House MD 22 uh, one person alone can't make a difference, but one person can start a movement and get more yes. people to join them. So that's, I think that's where the distinction is. Me yes. not, me not using, let's say me not going to BP because of, you know, the, what happened in the Gulf. I'm not going to make a difference there, but I can personally s- start a movement and get other people involved, petitions mm-hmm. or, you know, g- rallying people and getting that. So that's where somebody can make a difference. But mm-hmm. me not going to Chick-fil-A because I, I disagree, you know, with their, their beliefs isn't going to make a difference at all in their overall, um, you know, finances or what they believe in. Um, but that does not mean that we can't try or join yeah. a movement of people who are, you know, who are kind of going in that route. You know, if, you know, whether it's BLM or, you know, an, you know one of the LGBTQIA, you know, um, uh, organizations or you know any kind of movement becoming a part of those things is a start so that one mm-hmm. person is going to make a difference but it takes the the large group of people to actually help make change yeah it does take a large group of people to make change but it takes one voice to start that change one voice to persuasively speak and motivate others to take rise to make a movement happen right yep. so it does take one voice if you think about it Yep. Yeah, but that, that is, one voice needs takes, a lot of support for it to actually become correct. a movement. Right, but that one person has to be willing to speak up. Yep. If nobody's willing to speak up, no movement will ever happen. For sure. Yeah. But if yeah. one person is willing to say, like I'm standing up saying, no, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to support that one voice. My voice is saying, no, I think, you know, um, I don't know, we need to care more about one another. And then, you know, the two of you are like, yeah, we do need to care about more you know, more about one another and, and, you know, chat agrees too. one voice stood up and said, yep. we need to care more about each other. Now it echoes, it ripples out. Yep. Right. Yeah. And again, when we look at a sociological standpoint, behavior from that standpoint, um, that's what it takes. It takes one voice. It takes one voice and a second voice. Look, Randy, look at you and I, right. You stood up one voice came to another person and said, I have this idea. I want to do this. I said, sure, let's do it. Two people made a movement that's why we're here right now mm-hmm. one voice stood up and said it right yep. at least that's how i'm looking at it yeah yeah so i think um and we're way off topic too we're talking about like yeah other things so i want to kind of bring it back to what yeah, we're yeah. supposed to be talking about mm-hmm. right but um i know there was a, a comment something about um and i lost it because my my yada went down um but i know there was a, a comment about the pandemic and the the u.s government um, support masses for people who couldn't work safely. 
and whatnot. And forgive me because I'm not remembering the entire comment. Mm -hmm. um, I can, I can, cool. yeah. I have, I have chat up. Um, are you talking about the, they were talking about, um, Dr. House was talking about, because, oh, Champ said, uh, look at the wages and how all companies are paying more because the masses stopped working. Um, and then they said that the, the one voice does have power. Um, and they were saying that uh, Dr. House said that they were staying home because they were making more money than they were working, um, which a lot of that like kind of spoke, I think, even louder, like the fact that people's unemployment checks when they were unemployed because they lost their jobs to COVID, like were more than they were making at their job, speaks volumes to how we have not been being paid enough to, to survive you know, which is why people are now quitting their jobs because they were living a, a survivable wage while they were in the pandemic because they were like, oh, this is what it's like to actually live like a livable, sustainable, like income in America and not be like struggling to pay my rent every month. Oh, right. like I deserve to actually be able to be paid this much. So now people are starting to quit their jobs because they're realizing that they're worth more than what they're being paid and that, mm -hmm. you know, the inflation of stuff hasn't continued going with where it should be because if unemployment is more than what people are being paid minimum wage like that's that's not okay yeah i'll tell you guys i i'll be very transparent here i have been working seven days a week since november of 2019 uh just before the holidays i go on seven days a week i go on call and and the individuals i work with know that i'm available right and and I work for my own private practice and I work for a larger pra practice and 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 I have people that text me and if I'm truly unavailable they know I'm not but I always get back to everyone as best as I can as quick as I can so for a year and a half I've been available seven days a week I take a day off here and there but if there's an emergency call that comes through I'm working mm. I didn't get paid anymore I make the same wage I make and sometimes I'm doing that stuff for free right because I'm just a nice, kind person, and I'd rather help someone than look for a dollar. Yeah. Right. And and so, you know, I I think it's interesting how underpaid people were, and I think for those of us, and I have th several colleagues um, that are therapists, man, they're they're struggling not to burn out or experience compassion fatigue, right? And I'm counseling counselors, helping my mm -hmm. colleagues keep their heads above water right now because we're taking on, we're living this too. And we're taking on everyone's stuff because that's what we put, that's the position we chose to put ourselves into, right? Mm -hmm. To be in that helping field. And um, I think it gets, it gets frustrating watching how, how poorly people were treated or when people are taking advantage of the system and whatnot. And then you've got, again, medical people or your auto industry. The auto industry didn't stop, right? Um, I, my partner's in the auto industry. He was home for a month and then required to go back to work. Yeah. He didn't make more. He didn't. It didn't anything. In fact, my partner took a pay cut, a significant pay cut. I actually had to work more to make it up. Yeah. Right. And so I think, you know, one of the biggest things to remember is when we're talking about this COVID stuff and unemployment and, and, and whatnot, um, is to know that everyone comes from a different walk and just to be respectful of, of what someone's needs are. There's going to be people out there that manipulate the system because that's what there is. There's yeah. going to be people out there that are incredibly honest about the system because that's what there is. It's a system. Yeah. I mean, it, that, it yeah. is. Yep. It just is. And, In any and just, system that there is ever, there's always going to be people who take advantage of the system. And there's always yeah. going to be people who like 
take advantage of the system in a good way, like in the yeah. way that you're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it's it's just a matter of walking your walk, knowing your journey, stay in your lane. If you see somebody doing something they shouldn't do, if you have to say something, then I guess butt into it. If not, and stay your course. Right. Um, that's my two cents. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so now that we've gotten way off topic, brought it back to the topic, got off topic Let's bring again, it back. and now brought it back. I'm here for that. Okay. I'm here okay. for that. So you, you kind of, Malore, you kind of touched on this a little bit um, earlier when we started talking about, uh, you know, the overall mental health and everything mm. that you've kind of felt with, with streaming in general. When you first started streaming, I'm going to make you go back a year and okay. try, to, try to, I'm one of those people that can't barely remember what I did yesterday, let alone a year ago. So I'm going to make you go back a year ago. Um, what were some of the struggles that you felt when you first started streaming? I mean, outside of, you know, looking at the viewer count and seeing the zero, the big fat zero or the one on there. Uh, it was a lot of anxiety. <laughs> like, honestly, it was a lot of anxiety because going into streaming, um, it's something where there's not like, it's like streaming in some ways is like it's like a job, you know, even if it's not your full time thing, even if it's just a hobby, like for me, it's not my full time job, but it is like my hobby. It still takes as much time as another full time job sometimes. Yep. Um, but a lot of that is just because there's no like guide. There's no nothing there for you to be like, hey, you want to be a streamer here? Like, here's how you here's a lot of advice for how to do it. Like Twitch has some stuff in there but like they just are like download this software and then you're good to go yeah. but in order to like actually learn how to do the software how to use it and then also seeing so many people's fancy overlays and then learning about emotes and then learning about everything and having to learn how to do like it gets it's very overwhelming yeah. it's very 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 overwhelming from the very beginning um because you feel like the expectations are like up here yep because you see all the big streamers and you think your expectations are up there. Um, but I think one thing that I learned very quickly into streaming was that the expectations were not up there because I was a small streamer. People didn't have those high expectations of me and they still don't have those high expectations of me because I'm, I'm still like, I'm still growing. I'm still a fairly small streamer. So um, at least I consider myself mm -hmm. a fairly small streamer still. Um, so, you know, like, you set these like really high expectations on yourself and that's where like a lot of the pressure and a lot of the anxiety and a lot of the mental health problems come from is a lot of the expectations that we put on ourselves. Then also small streamers are also more susceptible to receiving trolls yep. than big streamers hey, because big streamers famous? just go boop. Yep. But like as a small streamer, and you you get like sneaky trolls like you don't get just the trolls that come in and post like a dick into your chat you get the trolls that are like like they come out thinking that they want like they make you think they 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 want to be your friend or something and then say something really out of pocket and like yep. rude and then because you're a new streamer you don't know how to react to that and because you don't have mods you also don't know how to react to that <laughs> so yep. an overwhelming experience um so yeah, a lot of a lot of the ways that like I learned stuff was through making friends with other streamers and being able to get to the point where I was close enough friends with them to be able to be like, hey, can I ask you questions yeah. <laughs> about streaming? Yep. Um, 
and some of us, and they helped me. Some friends helped me. So yeah, yeah. that's what kind of got it's, me over that. But yeah, it's not like starting a job where they're like, okay, we're going to put you through two weeks worth of training. And mm-hmm. now you're going to know the job. You're just thrown you, out to the wolves. Yeah, you have to figure it out on your own. I mean, thankfully, there's a lot of good resources out there. YouTube has a lot of good resources, different people that are like, you know, here's some tips on how to grow and things like that. Uh, but it takes so much time. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot of time. And it's Whoa, a lot of time that people are not willing to put in into the, the platform. And then yeah. you're gonna, then you're going to end up seeing moments. You're going to have moments where, you know, you you start to see that rise in in viewership and you're like, all right, cool. I got five people on my channel. And then next stream, you have one person and that's you. Yeah. And then next time you might have seven and now you're back down to one next stream. So you're going to have that a lot of influx back and forth, especially when you when you first start. But, you know, you're going to start to notice it. And that really starts to wear down on you after a while, which is one of the reasons that if you get I think they said if you get. Ten, was it ten or five uh, or more average viewers in your stream, you're part of like the top three percent or five percent of Twitch. Mm-hmm. Most people, the of the millions of people that stream, most people are under five, five or ten average viewers. Yeah. So because it's hard, it's really it is really hard. hard. I think one thing that they also like don't tell streamers enough is like you have to market yourself on other yeah. platforms. Yep. You if you just go live on Twitch every time and you're not like trying to get people to come to you from other platforms as well, then it's not going to go well because Twitch is a saturated market. Twitch is a very saturated market, especially if you're like, if you're a a streamer who plays like one game and that's it, like it's a very, very saturated market. And in order to get people to come find you, you have to market yourself on other platforms. But Twitch doesn't tell you that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you don't, you don't figure that out until you figure it out yourself and you're like, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's why I haven't been growing. Yeah. 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 I I could go on for hours talking about the problems with Twitch, but we will (laughs) save that for a whole nother topic. (laughs) Yeah, that's a different that's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you do you have any So you, you mentioned your anxiety. Um mm-hmm. and you've mentioned in the past talking about the mental health kits and how some of the the tools that have been in the, the Guardians mental health kits um have helped you. Mm-hmm. Um do you have any sort of whether it's those tools or other tools, any sort of uh kind of rituals or things that you do to get yourself prepared, especially if you're dealing with anxiety at the beginning of the stream? Um, I, <laughs> I don't suggest this to people. <laughs> so don't do as I say, not as I do. Now um, I'm intrigued. I, I mean, I'm just a very, I'm a very push through it type of person. Um, I have always been that way because it's how my dad is. Um, and my dad is like my best friend. And so my dad was always like a tough it up. It's okay. It could be so much worse type of person, which I mean, I'm thankful for because, you know, with like a lot of shitty things growing up, it made me like not think things was bad were bad. So that was helpful. But now as an adult, I realize that sometimes when I like am anxious and I should walk away from things, I just kind of push through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally I do, I do try and do like a little um, breathing exercise with myself before stream. 
Um, normally what I'll do is I get really anxious and I let myself be anxious and I let myself do whatever I need to do to feel my anxiety. Um, and I, I am on the autism spectrum. So I like to feel my anxiety in my body a lot, um, and let it out that way. So, um, I let it out however I need to, and then I hit the going live button and then I let out my anxiety and I normally wait a few minutes before I pop on screen. And during those few minutes, I sit and I do breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just kind of sit and breathe and listen to music and get myself calm. And then whenever I am calm and I finally feel like ready to go, then I switch to the just chatting screen. And that's pretty much all I do. <laughs> yeah, there's for me, there's a reason that I have the five minute timer at the beginning of every stream. Um, mm. Because that's that's that kind of calm down between. OK, I mean, again, been doing it for almost two years now. And yeah. it's still every once in a while, I still have that anxiety of, okay, am I going to stream today? Mm -hmm. So you hit that, give me five minutes to just kind of get in the, the zone, get myself relaxed, get in the mood. And then once that five minute timer is up, I'm usually pretty good. You'll notice yeah. actually, if, if you, if you watch my regular stream, you'll notice that there's times, there's times that I'll, I'll be doing something else and I won't even be looking at OBS. I'll be like, crap, it's been seven minutes with a five minute timer. <laughs> um, but there's, <laughs> But there's moments that I'm like, all right, I just need the extra minute. I need a little yeah. bit of extra time, depending on how my day's gone, or or maybe there's a topic that I'm going to talk about, or something like that that I'm nervous about, or, or whatever. Yeah. So. It's good to give yourself time to at least like streaming. No matter what, is just a stressful thing. So you have to give yourself time to mentally prepare for yeah. being like, okay, I am about to be on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it. Streaming gets easier as you do it. At least, you know, I don't know about your experiences. From my experiences, though, is going live, you know, three days a week. And being able to push that button gets easier and easier every time. Mm -hmm. But but the the anxiety is still there. Even if it's a little bit less every time, it's still there. You know, even, you know, I've talked yeah. to people who have been streaming for, you know, six, seven years now. And they say every single time that I have, I have to go hit that go live button, I feel at least a little bit of, of anxiety. It doesn't go away. Yeah. But in the end, and I think you oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think to some degree, though, that anxiety no different than stage fright? Oh, right. Yeah. Just a little bit. Oh. Is it more like, yeah. are you describing like anxiety, like, hey, it's kind of debilitating, but I push through it? Or are we talking like anxiety? It's a little bit of an adrenaline rush. It's like stage fright stage type fright, of yeah. anxiety. Yeah, Got it's it. like 100% stage type type of anxiety. Um, I think it can become debilitating, though. Yes. Sure. When, especially if, like, you're going through a difficult mental health time, which is yeah. when that anxiety takes over and you go, oh, I need to cancel stream today. Yep. Because you can feel it that you're, like, already mentally not there. So that anxiety from hitting the going live button is going to make you feel, like, 10 times worse, yep. especially because then in your mind you're like, what if the stream also goes bad? So yep. then it's just that's what normally pushes streamers to taking breaks or like canceling streams last minute, which I am guilty of doing both. Yep. I have done both because there are times when, you know, I already have generalized anxiety and PTSD and all of, I have a lot. So when my mental health gets to be too much, the anxiety of hitting that go live button, like, even though it's so simple, sometimes can be too much. Yep. So yeah. Right. So we're talking about, you know, what we would define as you stress, which is a, 
a moderate or normal psychological of a stress, right? Um, yeah. That's experienced versus distress, which is more the debilitating yeah. type of stress. Okay. Now, when you when you first start streaming, like, you know, let's say it's the first couple streams or the first six months of streaming, I think that's more of the that debilitating piece of it. Because I know quite a few people who have just started streaming and they're like, I can't even get myself to push that button sometimes. Because mm-hmm. it's it's that nervous. It's not even the stage fright. It's that I just can't do it. Yeah. And then then that, I think that slowly starts to move into more of that stage fright. It's like, okay, I've gotten used to it. I understand kind of what to expect and things like that. Um, and now it's it's more of the stage fright of just, you know, okay, I'm now nervous or I'm dealing with a little bit of anxiety. Right. It kind of switches itself, which is which is good. I mean, you don't want to always have debilitating yeah. as you go forward because then you're never going to get your job done. Like you said, this yeah. is this is a part-time job. Full-time yeah. for some people. So, I mean, I I work a full-time job and I do this and you know, both yeah. of them take up a ton of my time. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Even when you're not even when you're not streaming, you're still on you're still you know whether it's building a community on twitter or tiktok or yeah. or you know networking with other streamers or whatever it might be yeah oh um be a lot. do you do you have so we we mentioned what you do pre-stream mm-hmm. um do you have anything and i'll kind of put two pieces into one do you have anything like a fidget toy or anything that you kind of play with during stream or any kind of rituals that you have after stream that you have, have to been, do every time even today i've been playing with these two things mm-hmm. the entire time we've been talking yeah. um so if you've heard any poppies i'm sorry um so i've been <laughs> playing with those um i also have i keep a lot of i am a rock and crystal fiend so i keep a lot of little crystals this is a little heart amethyst um <laughs> I keep a lot of those on my desk and I will hold those and play with those because they feel soft, like they're just smooth and cool and like nice. And mm-hmm. I just the energy is really nice for me. Um, so I'll hold rocks. That's one of my fidget things. Um, I have Play-Doh on my desk. Um, and then I also have this little mushroom guy that I use a lot. Um, and he goes like this. I want that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want it just because it looks cool. <laughs> um so yeah i have a lot of fidget things that i use during stream i use these off of stream too pretty much constantly um i don't remember what the second part of the question was Uh, do you you have that's fine do you have anything that you do post stream as well to kind of keep to relax yourself or any kind of rituals that you have after stream um this is gonna be really cheesy but i hug my partner (laughs) that's not cheesy at all yeah, I'm like a really, really big hugger. I'm a really big hugger. Um, I will hug anyone that allows me to hug them. Um, and that's also just kind of how I help ground myself. So like after stream, normally the first thing I want is a hug. Um, and then I go wash my face and just kind of wind down. I normally stream at night, like before bed. So then I normally de-stress from stream by doing my like night routine um and like washing my face and just relaxing and then me and my partner will either play some civilization six together before bed or like just watch (laughs) some silly tv show and just wind down a little bit civ six good choice 
Civ so Six is very fun. Yeah. We're playing. I think we're in like we're playing like four different games of Civ Six right now <laughs> within my house. Um, so it's a fun time. It's it's been a while since I played any Civilization games, but I've watched quite a few people that have played Civ Six. Good I game. To, I need to get into it. It's a good game. Yeah. Um. So, any final thoughts? Any additional topics or anything that you guys want to bring up as we wrap this up? I'm just curious if there's any uh, Malor, if you would, if you have any recommendations for resources uh, for anyone um, that you know, perhaps you've encountered or utilized uh, within the LGBT community. Um, to help yourself, you know, when it came to coming out to talking to your family or to friends or just how to be involved. Do you have any recommendations for resources for maybe anyone that might be interested? Um, I personally reached out to my local resources. Um, so I don't know off the top of my head any national resources. I know one organization that I raised money for for Pride Month that has a lot of resources. Um, is it's called Prism Florida. Um, there's also the the Tanner Project. Um, that's another really big organization that does a lot of stuff. Um, so those are good places to look. I don't know if they really have resources for like coming out to family members um, and stuff. I wish there was more resources on that because um, I feel like there really isn't that many because it's such an individual scenario uh type of situation um trying to think i don't think i know anything off the top of my head i'm sorry <laughs> no no but what you said was was perfect actually honestly um you know local resources so kind of tying that into what i had mentioned you know a little while back about mm -hmm. you know looking to see what your your local community county you know your city county yeah. state has to offer uh, if you know someone going through something, you can also reach out to colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, a lot of them have LGBTQ plus centers. Um, and you're more than welcome to call them and say, hey, I don't know who to refer this person to. But by chance, could they call you? Or, or even if they're not a student there, they're going to be very mm -hmm. happy and, and open armed uh, most often about just helping someone find those um, contacts. So. Also, therapists. I know yes, therapy is not therapists. like I know therapy is not like a widely accessible resource for everybody. Um, but I know that there's at least like even online like urgent um, like therapy things resources. Um, there's one that keeps showing up on my Instagram, and I don't remember the name of it, but I see ads for it all the time. Um, and it's like telehealth stuff. Um, even if it's just for like a one visit thing of being like, hey, I want to come out to my family and I don't know how to start. Can you at least like help me because I'm freaking out? Um, so that, that would also be a good resource. Um, Absolutely. And there's more and more therapists doing telehealth. And there's um, mm -hmm. a couple of organizations out there that are um, the recruiting therapists to do strictly telehealth. So I will echo that. Um, and And just google it and, and you know the telehealth will pop up yeah uh, or reach out to randy randy will get to me and i can actually get you the name yeah. of one that um if you're paying cash you, i think anyone's license um might cover you but if you're going through insurance they have to be um in your state 
Uh, so, yeah, there's, yeah, workarounds yep. for that. Yeah. Uh, there, so what we're going to do is we will put together in Discord a list of LGBTQIA related resources um, and put that into the AOCast channel in Discord. Um, so if you have any questions, please jump into there. Um, but in chat, we have a few pretty good resources just in general when it comes to therapy or LGBTQIA, you know, things like that. Um, you mm -hmm. are rad. If you go to URRAD.org, uh, they're an amazing organization that actually works to help people find resources um, for uh, for therapy. So finding a therapist and things like that. And one of the big things that they do and they pride themselves on, and one of the reasons that they've been so helpful in the community is in a lot of cases, if they deem that you kind of fit the criteria of what they look for for people, whether it's low income or something like that, um, they will actually pay for you to go to a therapist. Um, so they awesome. will they will do a lot of work and they've done they've spent millions of dollars making sure that people have a very accessible treatment around the world. That's amazing. So great organization to take a look at. Um, I don't know a ton about them, um, but they're one of those ones that I'm kind of doing a little bit more research on over you yeah. know, I've been doing a little bit more on over the last couple of years or the last yeah. couple of months. Sorry. Um, I can. um I can ask my roommate to help us get some resources. They work at a an LGBTQ like local um, <laughs> thing, so I can ask them for some of the national resources that they give to people. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll get a list together and we'll uh, we'll toss that in Discord as well. So, okay, perfect. Um, I think we are good here. I appreciate you guys joining us. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, warrior tossed in the, the link to discord as well stacy did you have a uh poem i do but no please it's okay no we need to end we we have literally gone 14 episodes having to hear one of your amazing poems or stories so please <laughs> we cannot end this all right so um this is by maya angelo and i kind of searched throughout the chat to find one that I felt, you know, kind of fit the vibe of everyone. Um, and this is titled Still I Rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you bestest with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns, with a certain certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still, I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Did my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard. Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? 
does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds and the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history's shame I rise. Up from the past that's rooted in pain I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind the nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into the daybreak that's wonderf wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. <laughs>